Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tukey Steak Podcast, a Canada Day edition of the podcast. So a happy Canada Day to you all and to Endo Mills as well. Arguably my favorite Canadian. <laughs> yeah, uh, I look a little bit. Uh, speaking of Canada Day, I should have uh, having a little technical difficulties here today. Uh, so right before we went to go live, my camera, uh, my HDMI cable just like broken. It's one of those micro uh, USB ones. So I was kind of scrambling to figure out what I was going to do. And, and so we did this. I took the picture of my backdrop and just put my uh, my, my little avatar right in front of it. So it works. I'm almost like a VTuber in a way. For those of you not watching on the video side of things, again, just search for the Two Steak Podcast on YouTube. You'll find it. You never know what you're going to get on the video portion of this. Now, I called Endo my my perhaps favorite Canadian because of a viewer question that we're going to be able to get to. But before we get to those, as always, we need to point out that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. You can use code Tugi at checkout for 20% off your order and to get free worldwide shipping as well. Unbelievable deal that Manscaped provides. As we always say, head to toe, they got you covered. The number one resource, the number one outlet when it comes to male grooming and in general, just grooming. It's, you know, Pride Month may be over, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are, how you identify. Manscaped's got you covered. Go to get check out 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. As we get to this potential speed run episode, a near speed run episode of the podcast. And though, I don't know what the weather's like in Toronto. I am dying. It is the hottest day of the year so far here, and I am not having a good time. <laughs> Neither is Endo. He has officially died from the heat. There we go. Yeah. Endo Mills. Sorry. Uh, I had the mute button on my mic. My bad. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, like, over here, it's 26 uh, Celsius. Over there, it's uh, over here, it's, like, 79 Fahrenheit. So, it's not too bad. Mm. I mean, like, Toronto is only bait, like, kind of good enough for like 35 and above it's like yeah that's too much but i just turn off all my fans and stuff and i'm already cooking inside my room i mean it doesn't help that like right next to me to the the blinds behind me uh is just complete sun so mm-hmm. no matter what i do i'm just blasted by the sun there you go. so that's good yeah of course yeah, anytime we get into complaining about temperature people from california or arizona will be like yeah well it was like the surface temperature the sun's got nothing on how hot it was here and it's like we don't care it's it's all relative to where you live and what you're used to regardless exactly. not only is it canada day it's also bobby bonilla day in baseball but more importantly it's rick di pietro day as oh well. yeah yes People love to be like, oh, yeah, July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day. No, it is Rick DiPietro Day in this household as he <laughs> continues to get paid $1.5 million every year until 2029. Happy Rick DiPietro Day, everybody. <laughs> Ricky D. Love it. Oh, God. It's absolutely incredible that that happened. But it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. As we always do, we'll kick off this podcast with some viewer questions. Again, the link to my Discord is in the description, whether or not you're watching on YouTube or listening on any audio platform. Join, go to the viewer questions section, and you can have whatever weird or somewhat serious question you ask answered by us. And we start things off with Broken Wheelchair in honor of Canada Day. Who is your favorite Canadian player of all time? 
So Endo, this is why I said I I can't call you my favorite Canadian because of this question. And my first ever Canadian favorite Canadian player was Ray Bork. But the obvious answer to this is the greatest two-way player in the history of the NHL. It's Patrice Bergeron. Duh, is, is my response. I mean, that's fair. Uh, yeah. He is undoubtedly possibly one of the greatest two-way players, like you said. Um, sometimes I forget, like, some guys are Canadian. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh... This guy, oh, he's Canadian? Oh, snap. Like, I keep thinking that Max Pacioretty is Canadian because he's with the Habs, but he's mm. actually American. But maybe that's yeah. just like the Habs effect, where you think everyone there is like French because of the whole we need to have French players or names that sound somewhat French. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, hear you I think that. my uh I think my favorite uh Canadian uh player, um and my favorite player is Nazem Kadri. I mean a, a big cop out would go with like would be to go like Sidney Crosby. Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid. But I think just, I don't know, maybe the relatability of being um, like a minority itself uh, and his success story of getting into the NHL and all that stuff is kind of the reason why I'm like, yeah, Nazem Kadri. So I think for that, I'm going to say Nazem Kadri. Fair enough. We actually had a question as well about Nazem Kadri. So we'll jump to that now. It comes from BK. And obviously a big topic of conversation after winning the Stanley Cup is, hey, what happens with Nazem Kadri next? Because he's a UFA. BK asks, is Nazem Kadri an $8 to $9 million player? And I'm going to say yes for the sole purpose that somebody was traded this week and immediately signed a deal with his new team. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And he got just about $8 bucks. So if this player is getting $8 bucks, I think Nazem Kadri, who put up similar points and has a well-established two-way game as I'm catching an $8 million player. Uh, I think so too. Like maybe just like on the cusp of eight, I think he'll probably get a deal like seven. Uh, Cause if he does stay with Colorado, I think he's going to take a team friendly deal. Uh, I know a lot of those guys on that team are going to probably want those crate, like those like big contracts as well too. Cause some of them deserve to get paid. I think, um, what is it? Nishtushkin. I can't pronounce that properly. Larry Nishtushkin. Yeah, he he deserves a payout. There's a lot yes. of guys. Nick Paul, like we were going to talk about today, he got a payout, 100%. Yeah. It's going to be interesting for sure. From Nighthawk, what is your favorite moment in hockey history to hear called in another language? This isn't even a question. Everyone yeah. knows it's the Benino, Benino, Benino call from Harn Ryan Singh of uh, Sportsnet. Like the, Nothing else holds up. That is... The most famous call in hockey history in a language other than English. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some French Canadian fans and have a moment like that, perhaps. But this is the one. This it. This is it. This wins. I think uh, there was one that happened a long time ago. I want to mean like long. I mean like 2010 to like 2015. Uh, I believe the Florida Panthers were just starting to use uh, a Spanish broadcast as well. And he called the goal as if it was an actual soccer goal. So he <laughs> scores like, mm, mm, it just it just kept going for like, like 20 seconds. I was going to say how long you could hold that note. Yeah, it's like my young, my longest. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. That was probably my favorite uh, moment because it was the kind of the first one where I kind of realized that, you know, maybe 
hockey shouldn't just be broadcasted in English and French. And with the French thing you said, the the entirety of Quebec could just constantly say the uh, the Habs play by play for every game is just the best calls because the the iconic LB like it's it's so iconic. Hmm. <laughs> that was beautiful. I don't know. It just caught me off guard. We go to some <laughs> non hockey questions for the moment. You're gonna have to type that out for me. So uh but as you want it with caps and all, that might be the episode title. From uh, yeah. uh I believe it's from a Jamie Ben fan account. Who's better at math? Just who's better at math? Probably not me. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I mean, the correct answer is Sin. Sin's probably- Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he's not here to prove it. Um, you know, like, is this where we talk about how good and bad we were in school? Yes, that's the only yeah. way to like. Just I don't know, man. I liked math as a kid up until late middle school, early high school, when you start Added adding letters. in shit that's only going to be applicable to me if I'm a goddamn engineer. Um, you know, Fitting. around that time it was. <laughs> What were your favorite classes in high school? Fucking history and gym. There you go. <laughs> That's... You know what? Honestly, God, damn. I didn't really figure. Yeah, I didn't really figure out what I wanted to do. Like in terms of everything, and this is getting really personal. Damn. Uh, but like for school, I kind of like flunked all the way from grade. So like grade nine would be like uh, your like your your like what is it? Junior? Fresh, no, your sophomore, freshman year. Freshman. At, freshman at least year in the U.S. Yeah. So from freshman all the way until junior year no freshman till senior year i just kind of like didn't really give a shit in school it was about Mm. halfway through my junior year that i transferred to a new school that i just kind of went i'm gonna take this shit kind of seriously because like all throughout my schooling in the beginning i just kind of just like you know what i don't care i really Mm. don't really care i I averaged maybe like 50 to 60 like because i just didn't really give a shit and then it wasn't until i transferred that i kind of like realized oh shit i'm actually kind of smart Oh, damn. And then I went to like a 75 like average. I also was a college dropout. So, you know, it doesn't really help on my case at all. So, but listen, to my defense, mm-hmm. we had a lockout that year. We had a teacher strike and they gave us a whole all our workload right at the beginning. And then when we got back from the strike, they said, oh, there's more work. And I'm like, yeah, fuck this. And I just left. Fair enough. Worst 3000 I ever spent. Uh, from the legendary Scroopy Noopers, what is your favorite book and which book have you read multiple times? <laughs> I love how we're talking about it. Like, I give a fuck about school. And what was your favorite book to read? Um, uh, was it Garfield Treasury number six in <laughs> French? Tresor <Beautiful>. Garfield. <laughs> no, my Never actual mind. favorite book. That's the episode title. <laughs> Garfield. <laughs> oh, oh my man. god we'll get more french listeners that way if i speak more french there you uh, go there you go and they'll get yell at me for being a stupid leaf fan uh but mm. i think my favorite book as a kid i kept reading through was artemis fowl fair enough never read it yeah never, have you have you heard of it yes okay yes Disney ruined that fucking franchise with that movie. Holy shit. But yeah, that's what that was my favorite book. Fair enough. Um, and I, 
I don't know if I have a, a favorite book necessarily because I haven't read I haven't read fiction in a long time. Like after middle school, I I don't know for some reason my interest in fiction just dropped, and you know I to this point I have gotten back into reading over the last couple months. It's been nice, but nice. I mainly read biographies or autobiographies. Um, literally right before I went to Finland, I picked up Sean Thornton's new book. Um, so I just started reading that and that's pretty solid, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I'm interested in is, is a lot of nonfiction. So it's tough to say like, Hey, what's your favorite nonfiction book? Um, although I did finally get around over that April break where I road tripped with the, uh, the girlfriend down towards Tennessee, um, spent most of uh, the road time reading Bret Hart's uh, biography or autobiography that came out about a decade ago, and that was that was good. That was good because if anyone's a wrestling fan, you know that that man is the most brutally honest man. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no filter. You know exactly yeah. what he thinks. There's no politics there. Uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So yeah, yeah. Uh, honorable mention. I'll go mention uh, the Little Prince, both in English and French. I don't know what that is. Little Prince? You know, no. you've never heard Le Petit Prince. You never heard of either of those? <laughs> no, no, I have not. You should definitely look it up. Um, Antoine, I think it's by Antoine de Saint Esprit. Uh, he was a pilot, and uh, it, it, they they don't know what happened to him because he went for a flight. And he just kind of disappeared, and no one heard of him since. He probably crashed. Uh, no offense. Uh, spoiler alert. But yeah, um, it's a very <laughs> interesting. It's a very for the book or the author. <laughs> it's the author. It's the author. Um, okay. But the book. I don't want to spoil it. But the book itself is very nice. There was a. They made a movie on it a few years ago. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm kind of, kind of reading up on the guy, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You never want to see someone with a Wikipedia article entitled, you know, like a section disappearance. You never yeah. want to see that. You know, it's not ideal. Um, it's not unless great. it's reappearance at the bottom after that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Uh, from Hawks, and this is obviously in the spirit of the fact that we've been playing F122 on stream lately. You're given the exact amount of money that it costs to create an F1 team and gain sponsors. Who's the engine supplier and who's the main sponsor? Um, Engine supplier, we're going to go with Chevy, and the main sponsor is going to be Duncan. Not Dunkin' Donuts anymore, but just Duncan. Um, and that way, <laughs> I will have my entire region of New England rally around me as we finish in dead last in every race. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what's going on with you right now with uh, with your F1 series. Oh, God, don't get me started on that. It's rough. Shots fired. Oh, rough yeah. scenes. Rough, rough scenes. Uh, I'm not really a big I, F1 guy, so like yeah. I think I'm gonna go with like, like a like a Volvo engine, so you know that shit's reliable. And then my main sponsor <laughs> is gonna be Dick's Sporting Goods, Good and call. we're gonna call the car the Cock Rocket. You got it all planned out. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And our final question comes from Piney, as always. His uh, oh boy. God, we we need a we need a stinger to play whenever the piney questions about to come up, just so people know what the hell is about to happen. And this one, it's an interesting one. It's an F Mary kill. 
Spyro the Dragon, Crash Bandicoot, or Donkey Kong? Wow! <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to let anyone else go first on this one. Either either way, you, you finish this round as a furry, regardless. Yeah. So you, you, you walk out of this in whichever way you want. <sighs> oh, man. I have no idea who I'm going to pick. Um, I feel like you you have to you have to fuck Donkey Kong. You you have to. <laughs> you have to. Listen. His dong is expanded, all right? He mm-hmm. he's ready to go. He's 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 prime cocked loaded. I would I would kill Spyro with the dragon because that fucker has it coming. He's nothing without with without uh without Sphinx, okay? He's nothing without his little fucking dragonfly friend, okay? Mm-hmm. And and then I'll marry Crash because I love Crash. I love Crash Manicure. It's one of the first games I played. And it'd be nice to be in wedlock with the I can do the I can do the crash dance. Yeah. At, at my together. At my, <laughs> at my <Naked>. wedding. <laughs> um so look, I grew up playing all three of like, you know, the games that these characters are in. I haven't played Spyro in a while. Pyro's, you know, our main Twitch mod there. He's gonna fucking murder me because I've been Long overdue to play the uh, Spyro remakes. Uh, that Back said, Spyro is dead. Um, well, mm, I mean, see, the problem is Spyro's small, and I'm a largeman, so I don't really think I could like even be like, yeah, hey, you're my new fucking mode of transportation here. The, just, what's the benefit? What's the benefit right now to to staying with a little dragon long term? I see no benefit. I don't. You can do a little hover. You can do a little hover thing. <laughs> Get that little extra bit of height. Oh my god. Um, we will, uh, in, in, in presidential terms, have sexual relations with Crash Bandicoot, and uh, we'll marry Donkey Kong for the thickness. <laughs> for the thickness. For the thickness. I shower you with coconut cream pies. <laughs> God, that animated series was terrible. I, you know what the worst part about it is? Because I grew up like learning French immersion in a very in an English household. Make, let's see mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I I watched that series, but I had to watch it in French. So like, there's a theme I retain- here about you and French and uh, <laughs> how how consistently you've kept up with it. Uh, if iffy a little bit here and there. I mean, I did do immersion for ten years, uh, excluding uh, what's it, preschool, whatever, uh, kindergarten, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I am, I am proficient in my knowledge of French. Although you can't use it anywhere but Quebec because they use old French because you know. Fair enough. Yeah. You, your point. Your point about this. <laughs> Um. Oh yeah, that the TV show was fucking terrible. I, mean, I couldn't retain any French because it was all in French. Because it was all in French. I'm like, what is this? Okay, mm. I have to translate it while watching it. Great. God damn it. That's so not point. only is it a horrible cartoon, but you gotta focus on translating it. It was like yeah. a like a an animation barrier and a language barrier, and like that that's just too much. It's the, give me one or the other, not both. Fair enough. Everybody, again, thank you for sending in your viewer questions, as always. With that, shockingly, we have enough that's happened over the past couple of days to warrant an episode. 
this week and or this, you know, two a week. I mean, I thought we might be going down to one a week, but apparently not. We'll start off by talking about, um, well, let's go for the Kevin Fiala news first here as the trade was made. We all kind of knew Kevin Fiala was on his way out of Minnesota. There was pretty much no way he was going to be coming back. Uh, but he has dealt to the Los Angeles Kings for prospect Brock Faber and the 19th overall selection in this upcoming draft. We'll talk first about what this means for Minnesota. Number one, you maximized what you could possibly get for Kevin Fiala, which is pretty good. I mean, you know, Bill Guerin made it clear that uh, they weren't afraid to take a deal you know, from a fellow Western Conference team. That wasn't really a factor. And it's a good thing he didn't limit himself like that because in a situation like this, yes, a team's going to want the proper negotiating rights to Fiala. We're not going to have to worry about anything like that. But still, when everyone knows a player's leaving, it can kind of hurt a potential return for what that player's going to get in a trade. Minnesota did very well here. I mean, again, the 19th overall pick is nothing to kind of scoff at in this draft. And Brock Faber, he was the 45th overall pick back in 2020. He is a Minnesota guy. I born in Minnesota, playing for the University of Minnesota. He'll be the captain of the team in this upcoming season. Uh, technically played four games as well at the Olympics. Uh, this uh, wow, that's that's yeah, it's insane that it was uh, that it was this past winter. God, that feels like yep. 16 years ago. Jesus. Um, and very highly touted is Brock Faber as a defender. People always mention his, you know, his pretty high level skating for someone who's not even going to turn 20 years old until this August. Uh, you know, very high expectations for him to be at the very least a solid like second pair kind of guy. Now, you don't know if that's going to work out, but. I mean, for Brock Faber, I mean, what's the dream situation? Again, you're from Minnesota, you're playing for the University of Minnesota, and now the Minnesota Wild have your signing rights. That's perfect. And the Wild do get another, you know, fairly strong defensive prospect. Not that they lacked, you know, some solid defensive prospects in general. Uh, they picked up Kalen Addison, of course, from the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, not all that long ago. Uh, they have everyone's favorite. Feder Gurdiev is still there. Um, Ryan O'Rourke, I like him quite a bit. They drafted Carson Lambos last year. So right. they have a decent little prospect pool there. And, well, let's be honest. With their cap situation, they're going to need to have guys on relatively cheap deals because those Parise and Suter buyouts are bending them over. Uh, this year and next year, it gets even worse. So... Honestly, for Minnesota, Endo, I don't know if you disagree. Fantastic deal for them. I really like it. Yeah, uh, I think this is a good trade, uh, a good move as well. I always said that a team should have some sort of local talent. I mean, then that, that goes to the whole debate of like Quebec and forcing them to have like a, you know, like a Canadian player, like a French Canadian guy on the team. But it's mm. always good to have like a like. To homegrown talent on that like franchise on a franchise because it yeah. shows like that yeah listen we we can grow people here and people who are from abroad and I think it's a good move that they picked up uh was it Brock Faber yeah yeah good thing they picked them up for the LA Kings uh they get some high end talent on the wing in Kevin Fiala um they immediately signed him to a seven year deal worth essentially seven point nine. 
million dollars per, which is fairly hefty. Uh, he'll turn 26 this month, coming off of a career best season where he posted 85 points in a full 82 game season. A lot of people trying to kind of downplay that, but no, not really. Like it's not like he was carried by anybody. He worked very well with Matt Boldy this year, but very solid pickup for the Kings. A lot of people are like, oh, but who could they have drafted with the 19th pick? But the problem is, how long is it going to take for the 19th overall pick? to actually develop you know that that's that's my thing like yeah you can look towards the the future here and what might happen but i mean hell we could even look back at certain 19th overall picks in here let me scroll back through the last couple of drafts let's go like 2018 19th overall pick jay o'brien you got after him rasmus kapari ryan merkley like nobody there was really made a strong impact. Uh, twenty seventeen, you got something like Josh Norris. Like it takes these guys a couple of years to be able to get to where they want to go. And for the Kings right now, you know, after picking up say Philip Deneau in free agency last year, they obviously got Victor Arvidsson not all that long ago. Anze Kopitar is still good. Drew Doughty had a bounce back year. There's really no reason to kind of not go for it. And they still have cap space to potentially make other deals. And in terms of defensive prospects, I said this on Twitter, uh, they do have Tobias Bjorn fought. Uh, Sean Dursey, still a relatively younger guy. Jordan Spence. Uh, I mean, Brant Clark really stands out as someone who once upon a time was talked about as, you know, again, top five draft potential. And he was the eighth overall pick in 2021. They're still set. They got a lot of good guys defensively as well despite giving up Brock Faber. I view this trade as the, you know, the instant read is a win-win for both sides. Time will tell who it works out for, uh, if it does work out for one side, uh, more so than the other. But, yeah, is it a bit of a pricey contract? Sure, LA can afford to do it. They get better where they need to get better at the moment. Works out very well for the Minnesota Wild as well. It's a win-win. Yeah, I think it's a very even trade. Uh, usually I guarantee like I've been in the few years, I think two or three years from now, people are going to look back at this and say, Oh, it was a landslide for this landslide for that. But you got to look at stuff in the moment. It's good that they grabbed Fiala and they had the money to pay him too. They have a lot of cap space right now and they have a lot of possible like UFAs in the line and that's great, but it's good moves as well overall for both teams. In terms of other contracts, there was a bit of breaking news right as we went to start recording. The Vancouver Canucks reached a three-year deal with Brock Besser worth $6.65 million per. Brock Besser's a really weird case because we know his personal life, there's been a lot to try to overcome. Uh, and certainly, you know, his standard of play took a pretty big dip this year. So you're hoping as a Canucks fan for the best and that Besser is able to kind of bounce back. Um, Time will tell. 6.7 is a little bit pricey for what his standard of play has been, not just this past year, but even kind of at his best over the past three years. I don't know. 6.7 is a bit much, but at the very least, it is only a three-year deal, and they didn't give him an incredibly uh, long amount of term. But he is, what, 25, 26, still has maybe the best head of hair in the game. But 
I I don't know. I'm hoping for Canucks fans. I don't actively root against the Vancouver Canucks. I'm hoping for them that it uh, that it works out a little bit because it it might not. And that kind of so I mean every deal might not work out. Um, but it, it would be a bit of a shame if Brock Besser weren't to uh, weren't to really be able to turn it around. But it leaves the Canucks with two million dollars in cap space. Um, Granted, they don't really have anybody major to sign at this point. Uh, they do have another three point five million uh, in space once LTIR kicks in for Michael Furlan. So, you know, you do have what would that be then? About five, six million dollars to work with. I'm intrigued to see what they do because I don't know if any of their UFAs they'd necessarily be looking to bring back. Alex Chason, Brad Richardson, Brad Hunt, Yaroslav Halak. So they do have room to make another move or two once free agency starts. So maybe the Besser deal isn't all that bad. But you do have uh, Bo Horvat and JT Miller, who are both making under $6 bucks and will be UFAs at the end of this upcoming year. Very interesting time for the Canucks right now uh, in general. I mean, again, you get your new GM in there. Um, they've, you know, they kept Bruce Boudreaux. They made other changes to the to the front office staff that I know some Canucks fans are worried about. Like they brought in Jim Rutherford. Uh, Mike Yo was named as an assistant today. And now former Chicago Blackhawks uh, head coach Jeremy uh, Colleton is the new head coach in Abbotsford. So they are completely changing the face of that front office. Yeah, they're changing up completely. Uh, just a question. What happened to Furlan? I think it was concussions. He hadn't played. He hasn't played in like two years, if I'm Ooh. if I'm not mistaken. It was just injuries because he's he just turned thirty this year. Like he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. But um, to look up here uh, as a free agent for the Hurricanes, Furland uh, signed with the Vancouver Canucks. Three separate uh, instances during the season, Furland was forced to leave a game due to. Uh, recurring concussion symptoms. He missed the entirety of the 2020-2021 season uh, due to lingering concussion issues and stated, no, I don't think I'll play professionally ever again. And, of course, he did miss this last season as well. So, yeah, just uh, super unfortunate concussion issues for a young guy that will see his career cut short. He hasn't uh, played a full season since 2018-2019. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. And even then, that wasn't a full season, actually. I don't know if that was the season that was shortened down to about 71 games. But, yeah, that's uh, that's rough, man. That sucks. Definitely. Other contract stuff. Because, hey, why not? We're already here. Let's talk about some of it. Nick Paul signs for seven years at $3.15 million per to stay in Tampa. Uh, he has a no trade clause as well for the first four years of the deal. So obviously gets the term to drive down the money that he would get in return. Endo, your thoughts on, on this, because it, you know, as well, like the rumors were out there about them trying to move Ryan McDonough, uh, which, you know, I, I raised the question about McDonough on, on Twitter is just like, okay, how does that deal go? Because to me, you know, Ryan McDonough is still a very good player, but does a team ask for more back and knowing that they'd help Tampa out if Tampa's trying to move McDonough? Because the only reason you move Ryan McDonough is because of the cap space. So 
I, I don't know. I, I kind of view this in the same way of like, okay, you're, you're keeping Nick Paul. What other pieces have to fall into place? Like, do you end up moving McDonough or, or you know, do you move Alex Killorn a year early before his deal is up? Uh, Tampa, we said was in a very interesting spot and literally within two days, they're already making crazy moves and, and signing Nick Paul was their first move. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a tricky off season too. Um, for for the the lightning, Nick Paul getting paid like that three point one, was it three point one five, for seven yeah. years? Yeah, insane, insane deal. And he's worked for every single one of that three point one five. Uh, the fact that it's seven years shows that he wants to stay with the organization. It shows loyalty. Mm. Um, because they gave him a chance, they gave him on a cup run right there, and he put the work in, and he showed that he deserves the get that big money that big payday but then you got to look at everywhere else and see if other people are gonna like you said either gonna have to get traded moved or who knows um i think they're gonna be really really patient this offseason and try and make a lot of deals i feel like there's they're gonna make one trade and then just kind of coast it out till the end and make a move i think they're gonna trade halfway through the season uh just to kind of see where the direction is going because I think they can still compete because they went to the goddamn Stanley Cup final, but it's just managing their cap situation, which really uh, is going to be troublesome. Like I said, uh, in terms of the teams that I was interested to see what they could do, Tampa might be at the top of the list outside of say the mm-hmm. Austin Bruins. Uh, two other signings that caught my eye, both goalie related. Craig Anderson <laughs> is what? still playing. And is staying in Buffalo, a one-year deal at $1.5 million. He is uh, he's, he's recently 41 years old as of May 21st, still in the league, and will be, I mean, presumably a part of a tandem for the Sabres this upcoming year. I mean, they don't have Tukarski signed. Uh, funny enough, they picked up Ben Bishop's LTIR. Uh, Malcolm Subban's <laughs> not signed. Like I guess it it might be Craig Anderson and it might be time for Uko Pekalukinen, which I mean, yeah, if you're gonna have a young goalie be able to learn from somebody, him learning from Craig Anderson's a pretty, yeah, pretty good, pretty good person to learn from. But yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, oh man, do you think Buffalo is gonna be able to make the surge towards the playoffs? I, <laughs> I can't bet on Craig Anderson and Uko Pekalukinen, guys. I'm sorry. Like I know. They played pretty well, given what Buffalo Sabres fans, you know, the plate of garbage they've been dealt to be like, here you go, watch and enjoy, eat up. Like, you know, they played pretty well. Alex Tuck played pretty well, should be the next captain of that team. But it's Craig Anderson and probably Uko Pekaluka. And end Man. of silence agrees. <laughs> just, just, I just, I just laughing internally about this. Because like that team's definitely still in like a rebuild state. Mm-hmm. I feel like they didn't want to admit that they're in a rebuild, especially with all the trades with like Eichel and all that, bringing over some offensive pieces. Because they really picked it up at the end of the year. But I just don't know. Keeping Craig Anderson is interesting. Um, his style of play is kind of like ancient in the league. He's like kind of like the last old style goaltender because because he's old. Just, yeah, he's old. Exactly. <laughs> He's, isn't he like the oldest? He's got to be the, the oldest active NHLer, aside from Chara. 
Um, oldest active NHLer aside from Chara. Honestly, I am trying to think of who the uh, who the oldest player is right now. I mean, uh, is it Mike obviously. Smith like forty one as well? I think so. I mean, yeah, if Craig Anderson's forty one. Unfortunately, I'm on. I'm on the lovely uh, quant hockey, but unfortunately, they're they don't they're not leaving me an option to not sort by nationality. <laughs> so I'm trying to scroll through numerous nationalities at once. I mean, Joe Thornton, if he doesn't retire, is what 42, 43. Mike Smith's right. about 40. Um, obviously, we know that Chara is way the hell up there. I think he's what 44, 45 at this awesome. point. So. Yeah, he is uh he is way way up there in terms of uh in terms of total player age for sure. But I don't know. I'm intrigued. The other goalie uh, note was that Scott Wedgwood is electing to stay in Dallas. Two years, one million dollars per, which pretty much confirms Braden Holpe is on the way out and they might buy out Anton Hadobin's deal because their goaltending is going to have to be uh Scott Wedgwood and Jake Ottinger as their starter. Yeah, it's this is interesting for them too because before they had no goaltending, now they have too many goalies. I mean, especially with Ben Bishop going down and trading his LTIR rights, that's another goalie off there. Um, it, it makes you think that what if they decide to give Holpe or Kudobin a chance, and then they move Scott Wedgwood because he's only got one mil on the on the on the cap, and then Wedgwood goes around and moves to another team. And then I mean, he's played on a bunch again. already. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, remember, there's a I had him on uh, Instagram, and he was showing off all his gear. Mm. He has so many different helmets from so many different teams. It is I'm insane. Sure. Yeah, he, he's uh, kept all of his gear. I was gonna message him and say, "Hey, do you you willing to sell some of your chest protectors? I need something." Hmm. <laughs> uh, the other uh, news to talk about Toronto. I mean, in, in Leafs news, uh, they've made it clear that Ilya Mikheyev's rights are available to be acquired if a team wants yeah. to work out a deal. And no Mills, your thoughts as uh, yeah, Mikheyev is basically guaranteed gone at this point. My boy, he become big and strong, and he leave. Uh, hmm. Toronto has become, as of late, the hotbed for European talent to come through, do very well. And then go somewhere else and get paid. Yeah. What? Uh, Ozaganov? Uh, fuck, man. He was good, but he was just not used properly. Uh, Zaitsev. Uh, let me see. Now Ilya Mikhaev. Uh, who else did we bring through? Uh, fuck, I can't remember his name. Uh, Par Lindholm. Uh, was also Bruins well Lundgren. Par Lindholm. <laughs> yep. Uh, just, just so many guys just come through here and just go bigger somewhere else um Grunland? there's another uh, uh, andreas borgman comes to mind borgman borgman gets paid oh oh uh, you know who i was trying to think of great great name in leafs history nikita soshnikov oh my god soshnikov <laughs> oh my god it feels god. like forever ago that he was a <laughs> so long ago God damn, there are we we've talked about that with the Leafs before. Just how many names are out there like that? Mm-hmm. We're just like, oh yeah, that guy. I mean, Jesus, you already mentioned Igor Oshiganov, who was uh, yeah, yeah, definitely towards the top of that list. Uh, and then the <laughs> other aspect for the Leafs, Darren Dreger reporting that 
quote, Jack Campbell will probably get $6 million a year. The Leafs currently have $6.4 million in cap space. RFAs, Engvall, Kasha, Rasmus Sandin, UFAs, Blackwell. We know Mikheyev's gone. Ilya Labushkin and Jack Campbell. If Jack Campbell's camp is aiming to get $6 million per, he is not going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf next year. Nope. Uh, there, there is an entire retooling of that goaltending operations. Because like mm. they hi- they fired Steve Bloom, or I think his name is Steve Bloom, or that's an, that's an actor, I can't remember. But they fired their goalie coach. They fired. They, they cleaned house completely. Hmm. Um, and I think it's Brule, not Bloom. Bloom is like Bloom House, uh, which is movies. But they, they cleaned house. They are definitely going to be looking in the offseason to get rid of Morasca's contract. Or, and this might be crazy and it's probably going to happen, they're going to hold on to his deal and make sure he gets rehabbed in the summer completely. And bring him back. Because when he's healthy, he's great. But the problem is you can't have him be a starter with his groin injuries and his knees and all that. He is basically a backup goalie, guaranteed to and through. I I think the whole plan was to have him be the starter, Campbell be the backup kind of thing. And then just it just fell apart completely. Uh, then you have Chalgren. And you got Wall, and you got Dryden McKay, who's not on an NHL deal. But let's be real, the Leafs are going to probably find a way to bring him up by nullifying the contract if he develops really, really well. Uh, not this year, but the year after. So their goalie situation is kind of scuffed in the way that they have a lot of good pieces coming up, but they're nowhere near ready. I mean, Joe, like Wall was great, but he needs one more year in the A to really get that solid ground with him because the Marlies missed the playoffs this year and mm-hmm. it wasn't on goaltending. It was on, believe it or not, it was on the defense within the, within that organization that I don't know why, but as of late, since a lot of talents been getting called up and moved around in the defensive end, it went from the Marlies having the best defensive core in the league in the AHL to like kind of having a mid to like loads here kind of system. And it's uh, it's it's going to be a little bit because I think they need to get more prospects in there. They've been going the route with getting a lot of draft picks as well, too. But, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Leafs. Uh, I think if they do pay Campbell, there's going to be a lot of offseason trades with Cap, maybe picking up some guys off LTIR. I can see them. How much is Bishop getting paid? Uh, I mean, he's on LTIR, but it was uh, – God – it, it was a lot, wasn't it? It was five million bucks. Five million. All right, hear me out. Leave, leave, skid themselves another LTIR guy, another Clarkson, another Horton, another Roby Island. Grab him on there. Yep. Put him on Roby Island. You're good. <laughs> so I'm intrigued though because like UFA free agent goalies right now. I mean. The big ones, it's Kemper, Campbell, Flurry, and then I'd say to a lesser extent, Huso, just because he's not as proven. And there are quite a few teams, I think, that would be looking to upgrade goaltending. It's just I don't know if Jack Campbell gets $6 million that he's apparently aiming for. That that seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. So in paid. terms of players, that that's pretty much covered. 
But then there's all the coaching news that happened as well. Um, first and foremost, and I will apologize early for the pronunciation here, but the Washington Capitals uh, hired Emily Engelnatsky, N-A-T-Z-K-E, or Z, whatever you prefer. Uh, but she becomes the first woman to work full-time on an NHL coaching staff after being hired uh, by the Caps as a video coordinator. She spent the last two seasons as the video coach for the AHL. So she bears the Caps affiliate there. So congratulations there are in order. And again, uh, progress is being made where the right people, regardless of gender or how they identify, are being put in positions to help these teams win. It's all people ask for. So there you go, Washington. Good stuff. And then coaching news from there. We'll start off with the big one. The Boston Bruins have their new head coach. He is the 29th head coach in team history. David Quinn. No, it's not. It's not David Quinn. It's Jim Montgomery. Now, I said earlier this week, if David Quinn was hired, I'd have no confidence whatsoever. I have a little bit more confidence in Jim Montgomery, not as much as I would have had had they just kept fucking Bruce Cassidy because I don't view him as the problem or like, oh, he was losing the locker room as the problem. Half that locker room's worth losing because Don Sweeney sucks at building hockey teams. But Bang. Jim Montgomery, he uh, just turned 53 uh, literally yesterday. The day after his 53rd birthday, he gets named as the head coach of the Boston Bruins. Um, he has a really interesting history because he was an NHL player for, I think, like 15 years or something like that. 12, maybe 12 or 13 years, something like that. But, uh, you know. NHL player, kind of a journeyman, bounced around between a couple of different teams. Went to the University of Maine, the Black Bears. He was a part of a, uh, he was actually a captain. Dude, this stat line for Jim Montgomery, though, like, granted, the NCAA scoring was a little bit different back in the day. This dude put up 95 points in 45 games on the 92-93 UMaine Black Bears squad. Fucking nuts. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And they uh, he was the tournament MVP as well when the Black Bears won the NCAA championship in 1993. Why is that worth noting? Because uh, it's humane, and I'll note it if I want to. And he was second in scoring on that team with Paul Correa. God, how I wish I was born to have seen Paul Correa as a humane Black Bear. It would have been, it would have been phenomenal. Uh, but after that, you know, after his playing career, got into coaching, bounced around as an assistant coach, University of Notre Dame, RPI, uh, ended up being a USHL GM and head coach with the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and then finally got a, a big gig at the NCAA level with the University of Denver, where I do believe as well he won uh, an NCAA title there back in 2017. So kind of similar to David Quinn, had the NCAA pedigree. But the difference here, David Quinn got three full seasons uh, with the New York Rangers. Uh, Jim Montgomery got one full year with the Dallas Stars. That was in 2018-19, um, where they hadn't made the playoffs, I think, in like three seasons or so. But they did make the playoffs in this season, made it to the second round before falling. And then the next year... Uh, was the year where he didn't finish out the season. Rick Bonus took over, and of course, that was also the um, 
you know, the really first kind of COVID year. Uh, and they made it all the way to the cup final. But he was let go, as uh, is pretty well noted. He was let go uh, for what was at the time quoted as a behavior, a behavior. I can. Why can I say the word behavioral? There we go. <laughs> Jesus. He had an alcohol issue that they <laughs> wanted him to talk about. And he eventually did, as opposed to them just being like, yeah, he can't stop drinking. Um, so it was really weird that he, you know, just out of seemingly nowhere was let go. Um, but again, eventually talked about how he went to rehab, um, got things kind of back under control, ends up signing with the St. Louis Blues as an assistant coach. Uh, didn't, uh, you know, come back in time to, to win the Stanley Cup. Obviously, it was with Dallas, the, the Blues won the Cup. But he's been with St. Louis for the past two years, and now he is getting another kick at the can as a head coach, the NHL level, with the Boston Bruins. Now, like I said, I, any criticisms I had of David Quinn, it's nothing personal. I don't hate the guy. But like I said, you know, for the Bruins, you always kind of frame yourself similar to the Leafs, no matter what struggles you might be undergoing. We're a big team. We're one of the best teams. And to me, for the Bruins to go after someone like David Quinn, that doesn't line up with the the narrative that you're putting out there. Jim Montgomery, though, is someone that, you know, I think we, we saw a glimpse of what he could do at the NHL level, but we didn't see everything that he could offer. And this is his chance to prove that, hey, no, I am... I am legit and I am good enough to help kind of move things along. I can only be so optimistic, though, because, again, this it should have been Don Sweeney that got fired and not Bruce Cassidy. But if this works out, cool. And maybe they don't waste the final few years of Patrice Bergeron's uh, Hall of Fame career. If it doesn't work out, then Don Sweeney gets fired. So it's a win-win for me, regardless. That's where my optimism comes from. Either this works out, and it's a good fit, and good things happen under Jim Montgomery, whether it's a, a fucking rebuild or whatnot, but let's be honest, if it's, if it's a rebuild that they eventually move towards, who trusts Don Sweeney to draft? Not me. And if they go for it and they fail, yeah, eventually this results in either Don Sweeney getting his shit together or Don Sweeney gets fired. They're, I mean, I guess you could say they're on that path regardless of who they hired here. But I'm hoping for the best with Jim Montgomery. Um, probably a lot because of the, the humane connection. But, you know, it's just they still have a lot of work to do in the rest of this offseason. I've been up and down that roster and kind of dissecting it plenty of times. So I think all of you guys that listen to this know what's up. But, yeah, I... I'm hopeful, but is my like optimism level as high as I wanted it to be by July 1st? Not really, but hey, time will tell. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. And if not, we can move to talking about one of the other head coach hirings because there were a couple in the past few days. Uh, so far, from your general reactions, it's basically, yeah, if he does good, it's great. If he does bad, fuck yeah, it's great because he's gone. <laughs> Basically, it's <laughs> pretty much what it is, which is a weird spot to be in instead of just being happy that your team's a contender, I guess. But no, well, that's fair, honestly, with the mediocrity and bad drafting and basically trying to protect themselves from any sort of wrongdoing and just like, oh, yeah, take this guy, be the fall guy or whatever. It, it's, it's fair for you to feel that way. 
The Detroit Red Wings also named their new head coach. He'll be the 28th head coach in team history. Derek Lalonde. Very French. Very bald. Uh, <laughs> he's from very New York, nice. too, which is the which is the best part of it. Um, he is someone who has been around in the coaching game for longer than Endo Mills has been alive. Uh, his first coaching gig was as an assistant coach, as a graduate assistant, actually, at the uh, one of the colleges he went to at North Adams State College back in 95-96. Uh, he was around the NCAA at the highest level from 2002 all the way to 2011, went to the USHL, was a head coach in the ECHL with the Toledo Walleye, AHL head coach with the Iowa Wild, and has been a lightning assistant coach since 2018. Uh, so unsurprisingly, Steve Eiserman brings over uh, one of the guys that, uh, you know, he got to work with quite a bit. And obviously, you know, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Lightning. It's his first head coaching gig at the NHL level. Uh, we just saw the success that former ECHL and AHL head coaches can have with, obviously, uh, you know, a, a certain head coach for the for the Colorado Avalanche and Jared Bednar. Um you know, I, I think Red Wings fans would have been happy regardless because they uh, they got rid of who they had. <laughs> but I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, as well too. You know, 49 years old, not the youngest, but held by NHL head coaching standards. It's actually not all that old. So, uh, you know, I, I find, you know, in a sense, like the Bruins and Red Wings aren't all that kind of far off from like the caliber of coach that they signed. Montgomery has that little bit of extra NHL head coaching experience, but I I don't know. I think it, it's Eiserman. You don't doubt Steve Eiserman ever. You just don't. So it'll work out perfectly, I'm sure. Yeah. Sorry, I was half distracted because um, outside my condo, there were two bunch of fucking idiots shooting uh, fireworks at each other. Uh, how to tell you live in a frat area in the city of Toronto? That. Uh, but yes, I do agree. Uh, from what I from what I can hear, besides kids screaming outside, fucking idiots. Um. Great move. Great signing. Uh, Steve Eisman, don't doubt him whatsoever. Uh, the fact that he's bringing over a guy who essentially has two cups in that cup run with the um, Tampa Bay Lightning because he said he's with them since 2018, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's good knowledge right there as well to lead a, a team. He's seen how John Cooper leads his squad, and he can probably rub that off on them as well. I think Detroit's going to surprise a lot of people this year. I think they could make a – I would not be surprised if they do make a, a playoff push at all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I view it to be potentially more likely than Buffalo at this stage. I still don't know if any of the teams that missed out in the Atlantic will be able to take that jump up. But, man, season to season, we never really know what the hell we're going to get at this point. So. Yeah. Uh, and then the final – or actually there's a couple, bit, <laughs> a couple more bits of head coaching news. Uh, the Jets – we know that they fell short on getting Barry Trotz. And now it looks like their head coach is going to be the previously mentioned Rick Bonus. Uh, it's not 100% confirmed. Uh, Bonus, you know, 67 years old. Stars fans were more than happy to see him go. Uh, again, this is a guy whose first NHL HUD coaching gig or first really NHL coaching gig in general, was back in 1984-85 as an assistant coach for the Winnipeg Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Like, man. How do you let that happen? Oh, my God. 
Like, dude, it's just, I don't know. Like, I'm very surprised. Like, Rick Bonus seems to be a great player coach. But it's just, you know, they, they, they were only able to get so far in Dallas. They did get that one cup run out of it, but uh, before losing to Tampa. But it's just, I, I don't know, man. And again, like, dude, he, he was the head coach of the Bruins in fucking 1992. Like, for one season. Like, he, he's been around so much, but I just, like, again, you know, for Jets fans, I think they're in a similar spot of looking for someone to instill confidence. I don't know if, you know, you just watch Stars fans celebrate the fact that he's gone and then he gets signed. For me, that's, that's why I was so sure about the David Quinn thing is because I'd look at the reaction and literally one of the biggest reactions like the news today of Jim Montgomery signing in Boston one of the top uh, upvoted comments on Reddit was a fan was a person with the Leafs tag saying oh that's unfortunate I wanted David Quinn like <laughs> and that's that's got to be similar to what Jets fans are feeling right now where they're like yeah Barry Trotz and people are going oh shit and now all of a sudden it's like hey it's going to be Rick Bonus and Stars fans are just pointing and laughing at you like Nelson from the Simpsons like I don't know. Rick Bonus back to Winnipeg. That's that's the that's the meme to make at this point. Photoshop Rick Bonus's face. There you go. Um, yeah, Jets back fans. to Peg Oof. City. Oof. Yeah, back to Peg City. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, just craziness. And then the Sharks, who still haven't named a GM. Uh, apparently, former Sharks Ray Whitney, Scott Mellonby, and Mike Greer are apparent finalists. Uh, and I say I note that they're former Sharks, because Kevin Weeks, uh, who's become the ultimate insider, has stated that former Sharks are essentially getting top priority in being named for front office positions. Um, that's very how very Montreal of you to have this bullshit parameter. And then on top of not having a GM, they do elect to let go of Coach Bob Bugner and his assistants which means pretty much whoever they're talking to as a GM wants to be able to name their head coach. And there's not that many head coaches left. So not a great situation for the Sharks. I wish Sid was here to talk about it. Although, let's be honest, he probably wouldn't be all that enthusiastic. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be sad. And then we already know uh, Peter DeBoer was named Dallas Stars head coach. It was announced today. It's official. He is bringing Steve Spot with him. Sin, while not here, and while it's late over in Finland, you know, it's just punching the air right now, <laughs> as is every fan base that has had to deal with Steve Spot being their power play coach, with Peter DeBoer being around. Um, yeah, good luck, Stars fans. Uh, you got rid of one menace, apparently, and brought on another one, which uh, just oof. So, man, the NHL is just, it, it's weird. It's been a crazy couple of days. Do have three other things I want to touch up upon. First and foremost, the Memorial Cup. St. John won at home, which was cool. Um, had I not just gotten back from Finland, I honestly would have tried to have gone to the final. But I still just, I just don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> it's very nice being home. I've been home for less than a week. Um, Pavel Datsuk is apparently planning to announce his retirement. Uh, future Hall of Famer confirmed. I mean, Endo, we don't have to sit here and wax poetic about Pavel Datsuk of all things like I mean the number one is he's going to turn 44 this month so it's not really surprising that he's going to look to retire but you know you can go on elite prospects and it has career highlights in terms of trophies 
Uh, yeah, just go ahead and look at that. Yeah. Go ahead and look at that. He's got the cups. He's got Olympic gold. Uh, one of the, I mean, uh, still like underrated in his two-way game, his offensive skills. Like he, like, I don't know if we have like the Pavel Barbers of the world on TikTok and Instagram doing what they're doing without Pavel Datsuk and doing what he yeah. did on the ice. Not at all. Um, I think it's funny how you mentioned Pavel Barber because um, his name isn't even actually fucking Pavel. You know that, right? He's <laughs> just, you're just going to expose Pavel Barber right here, right now on the podcast. I was like, you know his name isn't like Pavel. Everyone I know thought what his, his name real was name Pavel. is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like Brandon Barber. It is, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. The thing, the thing, like he wouldn't have his name at all. Well, considering where uh, da, uh Pavel, da, I was going to combine the two together. Uh, Datsuk, Pavel Barber Datsuk. Um, yeah, considering where he was drafted too, in terms yeah. of where he came from, he was essentially again another like out of nowhere kind of pick. Mm-hmm. And this is back when like the NHL still had like fucking eight nine rounds, I believe, too. Like yes. six. Sixth round, 171st overall. Yep. Like, there was no scouts on him whatsoever. The fact that they let him slide that deep into the into it is nuts. Yeah, I mean, in the year he was drafted, uh, 22 Russian players were selected in general. Yep. Um, you know, we were still, like, the uh, Iron Curtain, so to speak, in terms of professional athletes coming over had had fallen. Like, it wasn't as rough of a situation getting players to come over, but it was still a situation where it was a bit of an uncertainty uh, to, number one, get these players to come over, but also to be able to scout. Uh, because certainly, you know, it wasn't as simple as uh, I was going to say as it has been in recent years. And now it's obviously going to be yep. more difficult to scout Russian talent, which actually kind of brings us to our, our final talking point here. Uh, and that was just Russian prospects in general. Um, you know, you'll look at a lot of draft boards right now uh, for the upcoming draft. And yeah, you're not going to find too many Russians towards the top of the list because of the uncertainty with everything going on. And as it is, people who have already been drafted, this was from Max Seddon of the Financial Times saying this, Russian national hockey team goaltender Ivan Fedotov said he wanted to leave CSKA in Moscow, uh, the Army team, and play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, He was apparently arrested uh, for technically draft dodging. Um, CSKA players are technically in the military, uh, and yeah, he's kind of been reprimanded for this. The Flyers actually have him signed. He was a seventh-round pick back in 2015. He's going to turn 26 this fall. Um... You know, there there is a serious chance. You know, you hear a story like that and you look at the kind of draft boards that are out there. And for example, I can um, take a look at, say, well, you know, like elite prospects, they have their consolidated ratings cat. where they aggregate a lot of Jesus Christ. For people. What, sorry, hold on a second. <laughs> Endo Mills is dying. I'll continue my point. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot oh of my people. God. Are you sorry? Okay? Um, so what happened is I'm not sure what popped up or something that you said, but my Google Home just went off. It was like, 
This is a cat. Meow. And just scared the fuck out of me. What? What? Well, everybody, God. we have an episode title now. Welcome oh my to God. This is a Cat. I mean, was that um, you? God. Yeah, I had a panic attack. Because I just went off out of nowhere. Yeah, this is completely derailed. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, it has. We're, 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 yeah, we're on a podcast right now. That's okay. okay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> it's been a weird show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Russian prospects. Will they fall to the sixth round again like Pavel Barberdatsuk? They might. <laughs> they might. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And no, let's just end the show. My office is 100 degrees. Yeah, we got to I'm talk about everything too. that's happened. We'll be back next week. Uh, what do you got going on aside from a surprise cat adoption? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, one last thing. Uh, this was There was an update in the Hockey Canada thing. This is really, 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 really short. Tim Hortons also pulls out their sponsorship for the money. No Timbits, yeah. no hockey. No Timbits, no, no Timbits hockey. At least a part of Hockey Canada. Um, mm. For myself, I'm just working on stuff. Uh, I was going to stream, uh, but because of the webcam thing, I, I might just not. Mm-hmm. Although it would be really funny to go live and just have this as a setup. It'd be funny. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What you got going on there, too? A whole lot of Formula One and trying not to die because it's too damn hot. It's too damn Here's hot. brother. There you go. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week. Uh, still without sin. <laughs> I think he's just gone. I think he found I, a I wife. Think we lost him, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So let us know who we should bring on as the official third member of the show, and it'll probably end up being like Piney, you know, paying people to be like vote Piney, vote vote a rogue pineapple. Then we'll get Piney's questions all the time. Vote or die. Vote or die. Meow. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Where hopefully I'm not dying of heat stroke and hopefully i have a proper webcam hopefully goodbye everybody (laughs) manscaped.com go doogie